Samaya, hi. <laughs> Adam has tasked us with finding a guest for this week. Okay. And um, well, I was thinking we have some options here. We do. We could go, you know, lecturer. Mm-hmm. We could go politician. Mm-hmm. We could we could theoretically have anyone on the pod. All good choices. So, do you do you have any? Who do you want? I think we need a politician on the show. Ah. <laughs> well, I was thinking. Let's uh. Let's change it up a bit. Have I been let out my cage? Hello. <laughs> that is a disgrace. You're reassured. I'm reassured. Not another one. Mistakes were made. That's a pig world. Thinks he's Obi Wan Kenobi. The truth is he's Jabba the Hutt. He lived rent free in his head. Open eating. Hello, welcome back to Any Politics. I'm joined today by the wonderful Emily. Hello. Um, Samaya is here as well. Whoop, whoop. And also, we've let him out of his cage. His food supply was running low. He's still here. He's surviving. Bailey is back. Hello. It's because we had to clean the cage, so we thought we'd just <laughs> let him on yeah, the pod while for, we cleaned. Let him out for one week. It's a nice cage. It's gilded. So. <laughs> exactly. So um, before we get into today's show, we're going to talk about, um, it's a bit of a depressing show this week because the news has not been our friend. So when we're is talk the news about, ever our friend? There's been so. some, like the balloon week. That was a fun week. Okay, like, that yeah, was a fun yeah. week. Um, yeah. So there, we talked about the budget. We promised you, you've been waiting for and edge your seat for over a week now. We're going to talk about the budget. We're then going to talk about Swella Braverman and the um, kind of the deportation scheme to Rwanda and the Met Police report. And then we're recording this. I know you, you're listening on a Friday. It's all the same for you. But we're recording this on Thursday because we waited for the Boris Johnson what? Select Committee testimony so we could you know cover that as our big story today. And then the wonderful Samaya's back. And you know what that means? We got a good game today. We got a good game, and we're, we're back with a good game. So we'll we'll play that at the end of today's show. So yeah, before we get into it, how's everyone doing? How's uni going? This right. is the second to last week of this pod this time. Oh, no. There's two more shows Don't. after you've heard this. There's one more show coming out. So I'm how are we doing? Excited for the finale. The season like, finale. We've got some big things the, planned. Have we? <laughs> the, the plot I don't know about these plans. We we're going to plan some big things. <laughs> I'm hoping for the return of the balloon. Personally. <laughs> That would raise China, if you're listening, we want to talk about it next week. <laughs> Send another one. Um, fantastic. I so. like, sorry, I'm just going to appreciate my own just nuances right there. I'm really enjoying, sometimes I'll shout out a specific person. Today it was the whole of China. All of China. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fantastic. Well, it's like speaking to your phone whilst you have TikTok open. Like, <laughs> last, week, last week we had Derek shouting out Kim Jong-un, yeah. which was fantastic. Um, and then Tom... The wonderful Tom showing out uh, Angela Merkel. the Pope. Oh, the Pope! <laughs> the Pope. Merkel. That was so good. Um, so yeah. So um, anyone, everyone ready? How to are go? you, Adam? I'm I'm good, thank you. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Thanks, guys. I'm. You know what? I've, <laughs> I've been better, but <laughs> but you know what? We get on with it. So He's fine. Um, Emily, as our economics correspondent, oh, what no. the hell happened with the budget? Okay, so I have I I've known this was coming for um, the whole week, but did I only research what happened in the budget uh, at like half past eleven last night? Yes. So there's an excellent photo of all of us in Emily's room, like uh, like like seven last night, all doing yeah. the work for this pod today because we've yeah. all Grinding been busy hard this in the week. office. Yeah, but um, yeah, I've written in the notes. Whoop whoop! What's that? No, it's not the sound of the police. That's my reaction <laughs> to the next topic. The budget. <laughs> I love how you read out that you've put it in the notes. Oh yeah, because like 
Yeah. It's not that's, on the fly. That's she in the writes notes. the jokes down, guys. That, that's yeah. not a joke. It's that, a scripted that show. Is, <laughs> that's me at half eleven going, let's get um, pumped about the budget. So so um, the budget was um, duped the back-to-work budget because it was aimed at trying to get those who are not employed um, into work. So the the employment rate is 3.7. Um, so there are uh, 1.3 million people unemployed which is actually the lowest rate since the 70s however there is a big but but i love a big but (laughs) and you cannot lie (laughs) um so 10 million people are economically inactive which is the problem because this is a quarter of the whole labor force so the labor force is everyone of working age who um, could have a job and the economically inactive are basically people who are of working age that aren't currently in employment um, and are not looking for work so this includes students um, also carers the retired and those who are too sick to work they're all um, economically inactive so in unemployment is people who are looking and are able to work the economically inactive are the people who do not want a job and that's the problem is there are too many people who aren't seeking employment and so that's the that's what the budget was trying to tackle is that this large percentage of the population who are not looking for work so and this obviously matters because the less people kind of in work and in the this quarter of the labor force um there's less tax revenue for the government so they they make less money and therefore they can't technically fund public services even though obviously this government are not really funding public services to the level that they should be yeah so it's a problem it is a problem for jeremy hunt because yeah the tax revenue so for example an obvious one is income tax um if there are less people getting higher incomes because if you're economically inactive the likelihood is if you were in employment you're getting a higher income than than when you don't have a job so then that's less income tax revenue for the government um, and then they're paying out more benefits and also smaller things like uh, increased income inequality creates problems in society that then the government will come and have to deal with so on a kind of macro level they're they're trying to tackle this at the root Um, so yeah the main the main points are they're trying to get those who aren't looking for work they're trying to make the um they're trying to make work look appealing so they're trying to encourage later retirement because that's one big thing is people are retiring much earlier because um they just don't want to work anymore because it's working is stressful and difficult and and so yeah they don't want to do that so one key way they've tried to make um early retirement look less appealing is by doing stuff to the pensions you've been teasing talking about my pensions my favorite every topic every week for a long See, time i side note i really like reading about pensions and i was like yes i'm gonna do a whole thing on pensions this week and then i read about it and i'm i'm enjoying it but i write down the notes and i'm like this is really ob- objectively quite boring so <laughs> this is why Emily does the economics stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm just like oh look at this stats look at this graph and then I'm like well this is an audio medium you cannot see this amazing graph so I'm going to explain this very briefly because it is quite boring but there were changes to the pensions that mean that people will be able to accumulate a higher pension pot 
So the aim of this is to encourage people to work just that little bit longer so that their pension is just a bit larger and because everyone wants more money, right? So just um, briefly, um, what is a pension? A pension is um, money, it's basically a special kind of savings so that you have enough money to retire, um, which is, it kind of stresses me out because it's like, you've got to predict how long you think you're gonna live and then like how much money you need. And yeah. how do you do that? Here for a good time or a long time? Well, that's that's the question. Well, Jeremy Hunt wants you to be here for a long time because- <laughs> He wants you to he, be working for a long time. He wants you working for a long time, but he has um, abolished the pensions lifetime allowance. What? What does that Madness. mean? Madness. Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> that's the maximum amount you can draw from your pensions in your life in your lifetime without paying extra tax. Interesting. So this figure is currently at 1,073,100 pounds, but it's being abolished from April, 2024. So it's basically what? saying you can have a kind of unlimited pension without paying wow. some tax on it. Like there'll still be some tax. Yeah, you still have to like, you pay the tax on the Yeah, 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 out. yeah. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's incentivizing staying in the workforce because it builds up your pension plan. And, and it's just saying if you work these extra few years that you weren't planning on it, then you can have more money in the future, which is what everyone wants. Uh, or at least I do. So, yes, that's the first point is because it's appealing to the over 50s, right? Yeah. Because it's not appealing to those who have retired now because, well, they fucked it. You've retired like tough shit. We're going to talk about returnerships in a minute. Aren't yeah, we? yeah, so. yeah. But it's appealing to those who are maybe kind of flirting with the idea of retirement. Um, so, yeah. Another thing they have done is um, they have tried to make childcare more accessible because so the economically inactive are students, carers, retired and the sick. So they've tried to appeal to the retired and now they are appealing to those who are in need of childcare. Um, they're trying to make it more accessible to parents who aren't working because they can't afford to pay for childcare. And so they're trying to encourage these carers to rejoin the workforce. So this is this I think this bit quite interesting and links back to a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago on the on the Women's Day show. Yes. Um, so they've quoted here in the notes, bad for children and damaging for the economy and suggest the overhaul could get eleven million more women into work. And it's very much this idea that women caring and yeah. that role of women looking after children, which is obviously a, a, a satire, satirical norm that women do that role, is non-productive in the labor force, which we've discussed before is completely stupid because if you didn't have people caring for children, you wouldn't have workers in the future if you're thinking about it in that very kind of transactional yeah. um, kind of capitalist way where workers equal profit and money and stuff. That th This role is necessary. If you didn't have people feeding children when they're younger and like helping them to develop into people, then you wouldn't have workers in the future. Jeremy Hunt doesn't care about that because uh, he is yeah, I mean, trying to get growth. Look at, the, look at the quote that I typed into my little um, childcare notes. It's bad for children, which I mean, for me, if it's bad for children, we should probably do something, but it's damaging for the economy. <laughs> oh my God, guys, we need to do something about protect it. The economy because the Tories are so good at protecting the economy. They, they always make the right decisions in the right way to make sure that economy is tipping. It's, just, it's, it's an interesting shape. point, but it's, I mean, in this system, domestic labor, at home labor, it's not gonna get an instrumental value. It's not gonna get a point of like money. 
So this is how the system is going to handle this issue that it sees to get more people into work, to be able to cope with the ever-growing demands yeah. of a capitalist For sure, and I think this is, this is the thing. This is, my argument is that like it, the kind of we're, we're kind of blurring the edges here on these policies. We need to, I would argue, in this opinion show, uh, that we sh there, there's a more fundamental reform needed. But unfortunately, uh, you can't reform the system in the way at the moment. You can't, these little changes aren't fundamentally going to change much because you can't, because the way this, the entire system is structured feeds this, if that makes any sense at all. Well, but I do, I do think if we're coming at it from a more economics-like which is your job to do which so is my which is my job because you're thinking like oh blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know what you're thinking i don't know what that impression was <laughs> adam's thinking <laughs> what um News. like the problem at the moment is our economy is stagnating like nothing is changing and so if it feels a, a like all this feels a bit kind of silly like it feels kind of oh but how much difference is this actually going to make but the whole point is that jeremy hunt is trying to um stimulate growth in the like with fiscal yeah. there's only so much well, fiscally you can should do we, should we have a look let's spot like the issue of go, child care okay, and i'll go, go through, through some of what he's trying to do right and i'm gonna try and relate it to how this policy is gonna get with his entire back to work budget stance yeah, right go. so first of all parents of children aged nine months to three years will now be offered 30 hours a week of free childcare in term time so that's a very important point before that it was from three years and up. And so that's basically going to mean when you finish maternity leave, you can basically go straight back into the workforce. You don't really need to worry about that. But again, that is as long as both parents are working at least 16 hours a week. So he's pretty much trying to get you back to work, whatever happens. Again, the next thing is universal credit claimants. So the universal credit is basically the new benefit system that the Conservative Coalition brought in. Um, and it's designed to make sure that you're better off in work by topping up your wages each month while you need it. That's a but direct it's, it's quote from the website. it's such a stupid name because it's not universal. It's only for certain people. It's not universal well, credit. as we get more yeah, but universal wage... studios isn't across the whole world, is it? <laughs> it is, though. <laughs> it will, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, with wage stagnation I don't know why I'm defending like, them, sorry. As it says, it tops up your wages. Yeah. Also, does everyone remember like breakfast clubs and after school clubs? Yes. That is going to be supercharged with local supercharged. authorities being given more funding for wraparound care from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. So you think it's hard enough getting to your 9.15. Imagine having to go to like a school hall and just like at 8 a.m. and then being at that. I just, I hated my school hall. It always smelled like feet. <laughs> um, and then, of course, increase the funding for free nursery places. Oh, actually, no, sorry. Basically, what that point before is going to allow is for parents to get to work on time and also be able to stay at work later. Um, and then finally, increase the funding for free nursery places um, by £204 million. Um, it's going to be staged introduction. Um, literally just being able to put the kids into nursery. Why is childcare an important issue? I mean, we've already talked about it a bit on International Women's Day, but politically... On this political podcast, you've seen Labour like kind of like sort of sizing up what the next issue is going to be and what is going to be the winning coalition of voters. Part of that is going to be a more diverse coalition for Labour that's going to include women. How and and actually, the majority of um, Labour MPs are women as well. So there you go. And it's something that also Conservative backbenchers have kind of been getting a bit riled up about now that they're returning to real politics that actually affects real working people, um, and that's why this issue is being spotlighted. But Let's do a bit of 
critical analysis and look at some of the reports that have come out. Go and off, a lot of these are quotes from the Guardian. Um, that's my work. The work karate. Work karate. Sorry, guys. So hello. Full, full, She's um, coming for you. Disclosure. Please don't hit me with a um, rhythm stick. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say like a defamation very thing niche. or anything. This is this is all from the Guardian. Um, but it's Your saying that the government claims that there are enough childcare places in England. Um, but there's no data there, so that means that any claim that they make, it's meaningless because councils do not have the provision, like data available, so they don't know where to target the funding. So basically, everything he's just said, where is it going? The data is not there to make the decisions. Um, also, with the free childcare expansion, um, that apparently absolutely guarantees. Um, new places. It also absolutely guarantees the closure of more nurseries because as the nursery system works now, the younger kids you pay more for because the older kids are getting paid for by the government and how nurseries are surviving right now despite being underfunded by £2.50 per child Ooh. per hour. They're charging more for younger kids. That is now going to change. Ooh. And so it is risking around 5,000 nurseries that are going to close. If those nurseries close, where do you send your kids? It's just um, dangerous. Yeah. And then another point that they made was, and it's such minded. a fundamental feature. We like this is because if you people going to work, they have young children, necessary schools, nurseries. They're yeah. all. This is fundamental. It's needed, and the like the risk of closing them is only going to take more people out of work because they have to look after their kid. It's not an option, is well, it? Also, if Jeremy Hunt is thinking on a more like macro scale and like long term, which is what this all is, is like nurseries is where your kind of your education starts. If you're thinking about like the future labor force, you need to kind of get like s schools and, and nurseries up to a specific standard so that you've got a like yeah, good quality of work in the future. So encouraging, yeah, I don't, I've, I've lost them. It's just about yeah. encouraging people into nurseries, I think, in this collective yeah. educational yeah. atmosphere for as early as possible, because you do also have, um, childminders that are getting some provision but also childminders at their current rate is the lowest number that we've had in a very very long time I think something ridiculous like Offset reported that we've had the lowest number now since 2012 mm. which is absolutely crazy because if we want to move forward to get more people back into work and you're saying oh these provisions might be closing down nurseries we don't actually have the childminders um, and also I don't know about you guys I remember my after school club I used to go to quite a bit until they started charging £2.50 every day and then I just went home and I didn't do my homework so it's just like I hope none of your teachers are listening it's like yes. sorry guys <laughs> shout out shout out all my teachers um, but it's just it's one of those things that looks so good on paper and looks so good for the politics of it that when you look at the actual social policy and the social impacts is it going to work and i hope it does i really do mm. but it i mean it stands to see i mean it can only get better yeah yeah so then in a more like to kind of summarize the budget um so he's really going for um, the those who are retired and those who like carers, especially for children, because um, there's not there's nothing in there to help the sick or like students. Uh, Boohoo, poor us. But so I was actually reading the Institute for Fiscal Studies um, like review of this, and they said this is a quote: um, just as notable 
was what Mr Hunt did not announce. There was no funding to be found to improve the pay offer to striking public sector workers, where £6 billion might have been enough to make an inflation-matching pay offer possible this coming year. That's a political choice. Money for motorists, but not for the nurses, doctors and teachers. So he's really kind of going for the retired, the, the carers of children, um, and kind of uh, in the budget, he like disregards kind of everyone else. Um, is not revolutionary. It's not that exciting. Uh, there's no like, what? This is mental moments. But um, the, yeah, it was a big, there was returnerships as well. So there's a program to encourage um, retirees over 50 back to work. Um, so yeah, there was a big focus on older people and retaining the current workforce who are coming up to retirement age, but not much for everyone else. Um, but ultimately he's trying to increase growth because that is a problem, whether you believe that growth is a good measure or not. Um, it does measure something, and he's trying to tackle that. Yeah, they're kind of all yeah, pushing for this. That's it. Any any questions? Any Did questions? I get money in the budget? Uh, probably not. No. Oh well, heartbreaking. Um, right, on to more depressing news. Uh, this is the more depressing part of the pod. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk about Suella Braverman really, really briefly. So um, I think. Everyone might have seen by now. She went to Rwanda to visit the facilities that will house the yeah. people where like the government are trying to deport. Um, she visited them in Rwanda and uh, she took numerous photos of her like having a good time. It looked like she was like on, on a little holiday. Like, photo photos of her laughing. She's, she's, an, a she's an influencer. <laughs> she's trying to be. Um, she also made jokes that she want to live there. That she like she was like, oh, I should move here myself. And like, it, it, you know, the policy is abhorrent. I think you've you've got up a position on this from how we've covered it in the past. Um, the policy is still held up in the UK courts after the ECHR, the European Court of Human Rights, which is not a thing about the EU. People just get confused, think it's an EU institution. It's not. It's a European institution that we're part of, even though we're not part of the EU. They said, they didn't even say it's illegal. They just said, you'll wait and see what the UK courts say and if it is illegal. And the UK courts haven't decided yet. So at the moment, you can't fly anyone to Rwanda, but we're, you know, the government is getting ready to, to send these people away. The thing that annoyed me about this, and the reason I wanted to bring it up, is obviously I think it's really, really wrong that she's going to these places that we're sending these desperate people and she's having a great time and the UK government um, has also said that uh, the UK's position on Rwanda is that it's that there's a human rights violations happen regularly and there's also evidence that was given to the Guardian that UK ministers ignored evidence that Rwanda violated human rights and civil servants ruled it out as a place to send migrants and the government bypassed it anyway in order to get the, the kind of the deal to send them there um, but this isn't really about Rwanda it's about the policy itself so Suella is trying to claim Rwanda is a great and amazing and it's not a bad thing for people to move there but also the whole point of the policy is a deterrent. It's supposed to be, don't come to the UK illegally because we'll deport you to this place you don't want to go. And the, the thing is, they're trying to have it both ways a little bit here. There's a little bit of cakeism, a bit of Johnsonism. They're like, Rwanda's amazing. We should send these people there, but also don't come here just in case because you don't want to go to Rwanda because we don't want to send because you don't want to be sent to Rwanda. And it's yeah. how how are you doing both here? You know, Suella, like sort it out, honestly. And like, there's not much to say here. Again, the flight's still grounded, but they're trying to, to kind of to thread this line where we're trying to claim that Rwanda is both bad, so don't come here, mm. but it's also good, and it's not an inhumane thing to do. And the answer is, 
deporting desperate people anywhere is inhumane. It's not specifically about Rwanda, but taking people who've who've made a dangerous journey. We talked about it last week to the UK, and when there's often there's no legal ways of getting here, and we're just going to go whoop off you go mm. to a different country. That's the thing that's wrong about this whole thing. So, uh, does anyone have any opinions on this before we move on? I was thinking of a word to describe her, and I just thought of whatsoever evil. Yeah. Distasteful. She's very Cruella Deville, you know. I know it's, it's a similar name. Uh, there you go. A bit of musical break. But um, yeah, so not a fan. Am of I allowed to call her a bitch or is that? Uh, you absolutely are, and I will repeat it. <laughs> this is an opinion show. show, but that's very much the opinion of, of this show. show yeah. <laughs> Uh, any politics endorses Sue Braverman is a bitch. Um, do not, <laughs> do not politically cut out. neutral, not <laughs> for any political standing, but for my career purposes. But I am also, political you just neutral. went. Any politics endorses Sue Braverman is a bitch. Don't get rid of the last three <laughs> words of that. <laughs> yeah, we endorse Sue Braverman. <laughs> Um, Right, and the last kind of bit of hard news we're going to cover here, we're going to cover this very briefly. Um, There has been a horrible report that's come out about the toxic culture of the Metropolitan Police. Um, Baroness, uh, Peer Peer Baroness Louise Casey published a report into the culture in the Metropolitan Police, which is obviously the Greater London Police Force. Um, And they found that it was institutionally racist, sexist, and broken with a culture of denial. LGBTQ staff were scared of police. Scotland Yard is institutionally homophobic with a third of LGBTQ TQ officers reporting they had been bullied at work. Um, there's 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 so many of these yeah. accusations in this document right here. There's one here: that rape, uh, quote, maybe may well may as well be legal in London because of how many detection how low detection rates are for rape and fridges and freezers containing samples of bodily fluids and underwear from victims and yep. survivors were overflowing and could barely shut uh, with a lunchbox even found in one uh, there's over racism um, bacon was left inside a Muslim officer's boots a Sikh colleague has his beard cut as part of racist a racist behavior written off in the Metropolitan Police as pranks and banter and senior black officer described how he was asked in a meeting last year uh, did you get to where you got to you because you are black uh, and there's been an uneven distribution of funds for firearms officers unnecessary claims of overtime were told they could get any toy they wanted and armed officers were told it was all right to break the rules because of their elite status because it made them harder to replace um, Suella Braverman's rejected the label of institutional racism misogyny and homophobia applied to the Metropolitan Police saying it's a politically charged term so like this story and I just kind of reeled off the, the, the abhorrent nature of it it's just it's fundamentally I think number one uh, institutional racism is not a politically charged term it's just a fact yeah. at this point that this is what the report has found this report th- the nature of these reports are supposed to be these are the facts and they lay them out to MPs because that's how our representative democracy works our representatives will then decide on ways of changing that system that's what the point is it's not politically biased well, to come back on that though then you do literally have the example of the Sewell report which arguably was politically charged because it did come out at a time and it does it criticizes colonial or post-colonial theory and also basically said there's no racism in the educational system. No, uh, for sure. And the, the thing with this, but I think uh, it, arguing everything's politically charged if you're going to go to that level of it. Mm-hmm. But this particular report is like, you know, it's, it's these reports are produced by a group of MPs from different parties. So the idea is some like Labour Green coalition to say hey these people are terrible um, as a, a slight on the conservative party it's, it's just completely yeah. batshit quite frankly my take on this whole thing is that my first reaction was like oh i'm i'm not surprised like none of this that as a as a mm, i was gonna say proud londoner but i'm not sure as a londoner like 
I just, especially all the stuff to do with rape and how the Met Police deal with that. Like, I know people who have had to deal with the police and that kind of circumstance and, and nothing happens. And it's, it, and so I'm kind of upset that I'm not shocked by this. Like, this is just like, well, yeah, this is just the Met Police. Like, that it's, I don't know. I don't, I, do you know what I mean? It's like, this is just, the facts. I mean, it's like your fellow Londoner in the room. We're taking over. When, when I was um, reading about this, I um, back in 1999, when a Stephen Lawrence was yeah. murdered, right? There was a report that was published yeah. called the McPherson Report. And it was 70 proposals that were um, presented to take on, and they described as institutionally racist police. That was 1999. Yeah. yeah. This is the exact same report, but not only is it about institutional racism, it's like that report on steroids covering homophobia, sexism, the fact that women's, mm. like what did, Kate, what did um, she described it as rape may as well be legal, legal. because of how yeah. little they charge. Like it isn't, shocking right which is what you just said but it's so shocking that i was it's, i was shocked it's, 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 i wasn't like, shocked like i don't know how to describe yeah. it because it's like obviously it's not shocking because as a london like yeah this is just there's there is there is a nature of like there's an air of distrust of the police just by virtue of being in london like yeah. no one ever yeah, you yeah, always yeah. hear like no one trusts the police and whatnot but also but, the scandals that have come out like all the the, the sarah everard and like all yeah, this stuff over the past few years you're like well yeah like no shit it isn't also a case of it just staying in london i think also because where it is the issue of those police officers i mean i the na the exact name and i think this is just a testament to how big of an issue it is the exact name of the specific met police rapist murderer he literally dumped the body like a 10 minute drive from my house and he was a met police officer and that's all the way back in kent in ashford in like in the bloody yeah forest of a golf course and I just think it's absolutely insane and to talk about the Stephen Lawrence and the McPherson report to also compare it to the fact that they do know these issues are there and they're still trying to cover them up look at the institutional homophobia there's no actual report into that there's been a bit of a um, Met Police inquiry into the response of them but the institutional homophobia there that came about and there's a fabulous or not fabulous that's the wrong word a fantastic BBC documentary um I, the name forgets it as well, but it's these Stephen Port murderers that basically, as well as the Met Police being homophobic to uh, their own police force, when victims and the families of victims and concerned loved ones come to the police force, specifically with this case, they were ignored. They had this false assumption that gay men were partaking in more risky behaviours and when several men... Um, the names of them are Gabriel Cavari, Daniel Whitworth, Jack Taylor, and Anthony Walgate. Died in very, very similar circumstances, both plied up with date rape drugs, enough that killed them, um, and dumped in very unceremonious circumstances. They lacked, I think the word is professional curiosity. And where does that lack stem from? It comes from prejudice. And it's exactly the same with the institutional sexism. It's, it's exactly the same with their institutional racism. It is this prejudice that is not being targeted 
and the vetting is not getting to grips with and the programs and the leadership it is a complete failure from top to bottom and if this is the top policing institution in the country what do the local bobbies have to like make up for it like and this is the this is like you know the kind of government policy like to skirt around these issues and like oh we'll just get more police officers that that doesn't solve the structural problem and also because it's a structural problem it it reinforces that norm into everyone in the structure that's the whole point of the structural problem get the police officers as well what and also the police officers we do have one in ten if we if they actually were revetted which they should be but they are not being one in ten should not be there mm. like. Yeah. I think I think one of the kind of anecdotes that shows it most is that when you said the Metropolitan Rapist, I genuinely didn't know which one you meant because well, there's happened, been so like, many stories of, yeah, of yeah, different I can't ones. Remember off the top of my no, head? No, surely. Exactly. There's, there's been, but there's been so yeah, many. And I I don't live in London yet. Uh, I've never lived in London. As um, but like just the the fact that I don't know which one of these yeah. horrible crimes was happening and which specific yeah. officer like this should be a scandal about. but there's so many that you can't keep up exactly it's like I, I don't know it's just it's it's absolutely disgusting and hopefully this report causes some action no. but well, not, I, I don't think so because I don't think, like, I don't think it was like the so reason why I mentioned then. the McPherson report was if you read that report yeah it is near to identical right like of all of these points that how to get rid of the institutional racism it's the same thing like it's not it's been what over 20 years like what has that report done i don't know what and if you have the home secretary saying like it's it's a politically charged term that feeds into the culture war that is already ongoing and then people that read the report thinking oh well what does institutional racism mean it's just the woke karate like trying to bring us down like it does it doesn't do anything unless the people in power really see, like, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's just... It, I it's think it's one of those things that's like, this is a big report and then nothing will happen and we'll be like, oh yeah, that report came out and just, that's it. Yeah, unfortunately. But, and this is like, the point of this, the point of these reports is to to, to affect policy change. Yeah. I do not think that's going to happen under this current yeah. government. Um, I mean, it's very unlikely. So the government is obviously, we talked about a minute ago, trying to deport people to Rwanda who haven't made an asylum claim. I'm not too hopeful that she's going to be like actually you know what structural racism is a problem i also think because there's an element that they don't care that they then also they just can't be bothered because this is like a massive how do you do you dismantle the police force and start again like how do you do that and so if they go no it's not a problem then they don't have to do anything and it's just and like laziness just on what samaya said and just kind of end us out in the section here that the, this is a culture war wedge issue yeah. that we'll, they will use because then it's being used in america right now sorry to always bring it to america but it's the thing i know the most examples of ron DeSantis, we talked about last week who's kind of a contender for president uh he keeps talking about the woke uh, kind of people trying to take over Florida who are overtaking the presidency and stuff. And he was asked to define what woke meant. And he said, or his media team said that woke is people who believe institutions are structurally racist or biased against certain groups. And the thing is, institutions are structurally racist and biased against certain groups. There's lots of academic and literature on this stuff. We, we all know this to be the case. And th- this report proves it, and it says it in black and white about the Met Police Force. But the denial of those very structures and those very, like, um, the, the biases in those structures is now up for debate. I'm saying that in quotation marks. Um, and that's part of the wedge issue. Because if they can deny the very issue that this thing is saying exists, then they don't have to deal with the issue in the first place. Or they don't have to try and deal with the result of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and to follow that through, it's just, it bears repeating, like, just to think, why pick this as an issue? 
if the issue keeps coming up again and again and again, all the way from 1999, we know what the term is to define it, why has nothing been done? And I think that is the most damning thing. It is because there lacks the statement, the statesmanship, the state imagination, whatever you want to call it, whether or not it's the lack of political will, capital, whatever, the ability to create a society does not exist within the current governing system, the current governing party. And that I think is the biggest indictment. It is why we have the culture war issue, because if they cannot create their own narrative around it, they lose and they won't be in power. And that, that's how they win elections, is they create their own narrative, they create their own problems, they divert other issues, and you know, this is why we're in the mess that we're in now, I think. Um, so, sorry to, to, you know, it's a pretty tough, yes. as we said, it'd be quite, it's a hard, quite a hard news day today, I'm afraid, but when we come back, we will try to have a little bit of fun with the joke of a former Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, I'm on this opinion. I'm so excited. Uh, he gave testimony yesterday to the Select Committee, and we're gonna talk about that in a minute, so we will see you in a moment. Hello, welcome to Any Politics. So we we are now going to discuss Boris Johnson and uh, wow. Um, so um, the former prime minister gave a so Boris Johnson gave testimony to a select committee uh, investigating whether or not he intentionally misled Parliament over Partygate. So real brief recap on what Partygate was: it was the scandal where Boris Johnson and his aides were partying through lockdown in Number Ten, uh, despite the rules saying obviously those kind of gatherings weren't allowed. Um, we say partying through lockdown, where everyone in this room is currently partying. And whilst I'm reading this out, everyone is yeah, we're having a little jumping off the wall Everyone's to the rhythms a, in our mind. Exactly. Him and just having such it. a nice voice. Like, I want to wake up in the morning and just have you what I read what I need to do today. Thank you very much. I'll take that. Um, and you, Emily. Yeah, shout know. out uh, to both uh, of you guys' yeah. voices. I feel like mine would be a bit more stressful if I'm guys, reading your The tangents can come later. Um, so, basically, uh, he was given a fixed, Johnson was given a fixed penalty notice over the gathering on the 19th of June, which is his birthday, uh, which is the one who was ambushed by cake, obviously. Uh, star sign is Boris Johnson. Oh my <laughs> God. Just like explain everything. <laughs> Johnson, uh, we did not learn any new facts from the committee hearing. He was pressed on WhatsApps from senior advisors who were wary of how to spin the gathering um, to, the, to the spin the gatherings to the media. Uh, Johnson was very curt and abrupt throughout, not losing his temper, but he was quite. He came off quite grumpy and arrogant throughout the thing. Bailey has now discovered his star sign. What is? Boris Johnson's a Gemini. <laughs> oh, makes so much sense. Like Liz, I said. <sighs> My God. Two faced. On this opinion show, it does not endorse I, astrology. I mean, Adam, don't I don't fuck give with Gemini. No, I don't either, but I, all I, I know about Gemini is that highly they're supposed to be two-faced. Moral of the story is we don't fuck with, with Boris Johnson, which- Sorry, Gemini's, we're not fucking with you, and we're not fucking with Boris um, Johnson. I'm so, sorry, this is the opinion show. Please turn off. <laughs> <laughs> no Gemini's allowed. Um, so, yes. Uh, some of some of the things Boris Johnson defended. So I think we do we need to briefly recap what he did in lockdown. He was partying through. He partied on the night the Queen's husband died. Uh, there was loads of What's videos and photos of him. Name Philip. There you go. Philip. Just uh, the terror in your eyes when you're saying I Queen's don't husband. The royal family. Uh, there was photos of him like cheersing people and booze and stuff. Uh, and some of his so the here suitcase of wine. A suitcase of wine. There was loads of photos of it. Like it was a great night. It's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Peter was there. Um, there was so there was kind of 
have loads of it, very well documented these parties um, so some of his um, best defences so on the party where uh, there were kind of there, some people were leaving his office he thought uh, it was right and proper to motivate staff to leave um, he thought they tried to stay reasonably far apart from each other and he said it's fen- essential to thank staff and it's a British tradition to thank them with booze uh, you see, when he was shown photo of everyone standing close together with alcohol he said we did not touch each other's pens but we did pass drinks um, so I just think it's quite funny um, and in that he also willfully misrepresented his own rules saying that it's one meter plus and when possible but the thing about that rule is it was one meter if you're wearing face masks two if you're not wearing face masks and you have to be outside it's almost like he just didn't know what the rules were yeah. he was just doing whatever so the fuck he liked he didn't know what the rules were he just thought he could get away with it and he I mean has he we'll find out just reshapes everything like because the pandemic let's think a little bit right oh have we not been thinking this whole time but it's just like if you just throw your minds a bit back right do you remember not hugging anyone like because you might get the virus that was joyous for me yeah (laughs) you know like he literally said you should like cross the road like hands face space and everything people in london like couldn't go to parks and stuff because they were like sitting down you can't be outside he told the eight-year-old girl not to have a birthday party and said she was doing the right thing meanwhile he was getting blasted in the back ambushed by cake on the walls like yeah and so like should have at least invited that eight-year-old girl (laughs) (laughs) you don't know she wasn't there they've blurred out all the photos He also called it, I can't remember what the actual phrase was, but he was saying the way that the media blurred the images was like willfully trying to make it look like people were closer to each other. But blurring an image doesn't move people physically. Like It's not like a Photoshop thing where like, whoop, Steve is that now next to you. They just blurred them to protect these people's identities because they are not the person in question. The person in question is Boris Johnson because he runs the place. It is people having a party in your house and not being aware of it. You know, we are all second year university students. Parties have happened in my house. Have I always been at them? No. Have I been aware when, of them when happening? Was, I was not invited to any of these. <laughs> I wasn't going to them, but they've just been in my house. So I was aware of them being there. Yeah. And like this was yeah, a time yeah. where this you couldn't have, you couldn't hug people, as Bailey said. You yeah. couldn't, you had to be six. A group of, there was, in, this was in the strictest of. part of the thing yeah. and he even got a fine for it. So he's been found yeah. to have been at one of these illegal gatherings that he, he proposed the rules on. for. Like, yeah. Downing Street, the houses are big for London, and I'm not saying that they're like a tiny like terrace house, but they're not massive. It's not Buckingham Palace. It's not the White House. You're going to be aware of a party happening da- downstairs. And the fact that he was like, oh, when the rules were being broken, I went upstairs. It's like, you're not... You're not someone's parents. They're just doing some like TikTok dances to Super Lonely. Yeah, like like, he. But also the. But that doesn't make it okay because if this is going on and he's like, oh, I must remove myself. Why aren't you telling them? Like, no. It's yeah. like yeah, his his defense, his defense of it was everyone else in the house there. and I wasn't there. I didn't. I wasn't aware of it. Also, I, I find that defense so funny because we're like this man was prime minister, right? Very obviously one of the most important roles in the kind of British system. And the idea that he is so incompetent, he has no idea what's happening in his own house yeah. when yeah. I the mean, only place he's exactly. But like, if you take his word for it, which we shouldn't yeah. do, but if you take his word for it <laughs> on his argument, he was an idiot and didn't realize people were partying in his house and didn't. Yeah. and wasn't strong enough. I mean, to say show. you shouldn't do it. He's a liar. Like he's, li- you can't. You are a liar. <laughs> Get the fuck out. And and all he did throughout that whole like hearing was just put blame, like make yeah. himself the victim and put blame on everyone else. Like I read that he he said to what did he call he called Dominic Cummings something. He like was just 
throwing everyone under the bus yeah. but so himself. On, on the dropping soon, on the dropping uh, come people in it, it was quite funny because he said, if it was obvious these events were contrary to the guidance and rules, they would have been equally obvious to um, the, the current prime minister. They obviously, they wouldn't have had the official photographer, which is like, Rishi well, why was he there in the first place? <laughs> like you were having a piss up. It's like when you get like your disposable camera from Boots to take some pictures in the night yeah, out. Yeah, they got so they got some professional. Also, when it's enough. a downing strip, it's a, it's a proper official photographer. Yeah. They're doing the prime minister. Yeah. And he didn't upload the pictures online, did he? Afterwards, being like, "Oh, I'm so sad." That Didn't post it on his Instagram. Yeah. Our mm. party. This is we're that having a nice social distance gathering. Shits and gigs. Yeah, that was for like. It was, how, he like, was waiting for the end of the year photo dump. It was like, "This is what happened <laughs> right yeah. here." You know, it was like, like they were January. Just all taking their Be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If Be Real existed at those t- that time, that would have been that, incredible. Would, have been that would have been so funny to see like Boris Johnson and be, like it all stuff Be Real. Matt Hancock so definitely funny. has a B roll now. I can feel it oh, in my in my <laughs> spidey senses. And it's just him with his hair transplant. That's that's given me shivers down my <laughs> spine. Who first? Do you think Isabel Oakshot like removed Matt Hancock first? She definitely has Be Real as well. I don't oh, think she does. I think I think I think he's trying to be strong and he hasn't got rid of her yet. I think he just sees her yeah. and cries <laughs> a little bit. Every he day. just likes to know what she's up to, just so he can avoid her. Like <laughs> she is on the Piccadilly line. I will get the Bakerloo. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the, on the Sunak thing, so um, Sunak was obviously also given a fixed penalty notice for the birthday cake party, uh, where Boris Johnson was ambushed by cake. Um, so this is quite a clever, I think, on the spin show move from Boris Johnson to say, if again, and we'll talk about why this is clever in a moment, but if Sunak. Uh, if these rules were obvious and he misled MPs and everyone's saying, oh, you should have known better, which he should have done, um, then Sunak should also know better. And if he has to resign as an MP as a result of it, which we'll talk about why he might have to do that at some point sooner, he might lose his seat, then Sunak should also go because they've got both got the same fixed penalty notice. And the thing is, I kind of agree with the argument. If Boris Johnson knew about it and was aware, aware enough of the parties to, to, to know better than to be part of it, then Sunak did too. They, neither of them should have been there. And Sunak lives at number 11 Downing Street um, so at the time and obviously now, now it's at number 10 so the idea that Sunak had no idea these parties were going on is also completely ridiculous they all knew they, like, they, they just thought they could get away with it and the thing is hopefully they can't get away with it but what this the reason for this report and the reason Johnson had to give um, testimony to it is because it does matter if he misled MPs willingly or unwillingly uh, if he lied to Parliament he get then the committee can recommend a certain level of suspension if he's suspended if they recommend more than 10 days, there is an automatic recall petition where if 10% of the people at Uxbridge, which is Boris Johnson's constituency, uh, say that they want a recall election, there will be a by-election and then he could lose his election and you could lose his seat because that seat is actually much, much closer than you'd think. And also because it would be, it would literally be a referendum on Boris Johnson, there's a much more likelihood that yeah. he would just be kicked out because he's very, very unpopular now in the general community because of this, of this scandal. He was selected very recently to that no, for sure. So, but that was by Tory members. That's the key point. But that this would be a whole constituency election, and then obviously not everyone's a Tory in that seat. Um, so, and those who actively dislike him are more likely to come out. Mm-hmm. I think because in a general election, it's like, you know, he was the leader yeah. of the Conservative Party. Like, of course, he's going to win. But maybe some people come out of the nooks and crannies. Yeah, registered. And back on yeah. to the Parliament thing. So the the thing is. The MPs, it kind of ironically, the the whole scandal is about whether or not at the moment is about if he lied to MPs, and MPs get to li- decide whether or not he lied. So the the committee are basically going to say this is our evidence, read it, and then you get to vote on whether or not he lied. So then the House of Commons gets to go, uh, yeah, you lied to me, how dare you? So it's kind of it's kind of it's a fun, fun little grievance, a way fun. of getting back at him. But this is where the 
the Sunak play comes in clever here from, from Boris Johnson. So if Sunak were to vote against, and all votes are public in the House, like you can see how people vote on MPs as part of our representative democracy, then he's also kind of throwing himself under the bus because he got the same fixed penalty notice and he's arguing that Boris Johnson knowingly lied to the House of Commons and Sunak also did and didn't resign as an MP or resign as a minister at yeah. the time. So he's kind of throwing himself under the bus. So from Sunak, I would expect him to abstain this vote. I don't think he'll take a vote against mm-hmm. or for, but he's also not going to whip the Conservative MPs. And what a whip is, if you don't know what a whip is, me and Emily are experts, we just did an essay on this. Uh, Emily, actually, I want to ask you, what is a whip? And why, why is not whipping your MPs to vote for something? What does that mean? So, <laughs> I really didn't ever want to have to speak about whips ever again. Um, okay, let me become professional. A whip is a member of a party who um, basically tells the MPs of that party how they should, how they are expected to vote, and then if they don't vote that way, they can have some um, ramifications in the form of carrot and stick. And <laughs> um, so yeah, so by saying that he's not going to whip, basically that means that the MPs can vote however they personally decide, as opposed to with the party line. So it's almost the party doesn't have a position on this particular yeah, instance. Yeah. And also that makes I sense ask, for um, for Conservatives. Yes, yeah, sorry. Is it a physical whip? There like, is a physical they, whip. It, if they go to like the polling station... Like, in the whip's office... Slashed. In the whip's it, office, there is, blue, is like, there is a whip. There is a whip. I think it's... I think you think it's, they used it back in the day? Whip. Does everyone have a whip? <laughs> Okay. It's just one so whip. To have the whip removed. With this, <laughs> we're going to get into parliamentary procedure here. The whip is also a person, as I said, but yes. it's also a document, which at the start of every week, each party gives out a document to all the yeah. MPs saying, these are the votes this week. And there's a number of lines underneath mm. each statement, which says where you need to vote. A yeah. one line whip is you should vote this way, but it doesn't really but matter if you show you, up or not. Yeah. A three line whip is you vote for this and you vote this way if you want to be a member of this party. Yeah. And if people vote against that, that's called a rebellion. And that's where if you keep having rebellions, people get deselected as MPs. Yeah. There was one called, there was an MP called Tobias Elwood who voted against the, who didn't vote in the no confidence motion earlier this year or last year, sorry, uh, who had the whip removed because he was, because he basically voted against the party line. And I I wrote about in my essay, there were the 21 MPs in 2019 who, um, including Philip Hammond, Rory Stewart, who had the whip yeah, removed because of because Brexit. They, because they removed it's quite to vote rare, on the party line. It is yeah, exactly. It is um, so, but yeah. <laughs> The whip oh, system yeah. is so strange. I think we went into like a kind of parliamentary procedure debate here. This is quite fun. Um, it, it's broadly whips are a way of keeping parties in line because yeah. obviously then it, our system doesn't work if you don't have parties in line. Party. I feel like I could keep everyone in line. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's fundamentally the that's reason they're fact. called whips is because they used to use <laughs> yeah. physical whips and used oh, to like. That makes so more MPs sense. were actually just, getting beat up. No, in, not recently. Has, no, like, obviously not recently. But in the in seventies, there were physical threats as well. They'd be like, "I'll beat you up if you don't vote this way." Exactly. So That's and it's <laughs> they were slaying this the pod- MPs. <laughs> this podcast endorses physical whipping of MPs. Um, <laughs> Some of them. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, so maybe don't of, keep that. So kind, of, <laughs> kind of continues to round this out. So that's I think that's quite an interesting, fun thing coming up is that when they produce this report, and I think the committee Your version of fun is the committee. Very I, think, I think the committee will find that he misled MPs and that he should be suspended for a certain amount of time. I don't think they'll say ten days because that's the cutoff point where it becomes quite serious for Boris Johnson. Because I think there would be a recall petition because there's there's more mm. than ten percent of people in that country who are conservative voters. And I, like the my, irony. My perfect result would. 
MP. If he gets kicked out as an MP, then that's amazing because he can't have a comeback so then, good. or he can't have as like an MP to prime minister comeback. He had to have, had to be re-elected, and then mm. obviously the the public vote he is, would find is a way. harder to get. But I think that would be that's the best solution. But the MPs will vote on whether or not he should he be lied to Parliament at some point soon. And obviously, when that happens, we will we'll tell you about it. We'll we'll, we'll discuss it about it at the time. Um, so the other kind of two things I want to mention on this is um, Johnson said that his view of the legitimacy would depend on what the committee say. So he's literally said, if you say that I lied, then you are biased and illegitimate committee. If you say I am exonerated, then you are correct. And I agree with you. And it's just mm. this, this very Trumpian view that if you agree with me and you think I'm okay, then you're good and you're unbiased. And, that and you're correct. That's the correct answer. I expect that a bit though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, I am correct. And yeah. if you don't agree with me, you are mistaken. <laughs> and this, this comes because lots of people, including Jacob Rees-Mogg, uh, the wonderful, horrible MP for um, for this area we're currently in. Uh, he Good. said that this committee is a kangaroo court and it's really biased and stuff. Yeah. I just think it's worth talking about the makeup of the committee. It's very Australian. He's Australian. It's a kangaroo court. Exactly. The committee is made good. up of a bunch of different parties, MPs, and there's loads of conservatives on the committee. There's a Labour Party MPs. On the there's SNP members on the committee. There's, there's like this like broad coalition of members of the committee, and they all have to agree on the recommendation. So it's not also. all Labour Party and all Green and all Liberal Democrats. Democrats. It's it's literally there's a bunch of conservatives on that I think thing it's too. Important to note that um, the chair of it is Harriet Harman, um, one Labour veteran, um, and it has to be a member of the opposition party because of the type of investigation yes. and type of committee that this is. And the previous um, person that was actually chairing the committee because it wasn't originally Harriet Harman. They recused themselves. Ah, I yes, I forgot Steve. this. Yes, it was a um, it was a Conservative MP who was one. Of, wasn't he at one of the parties? Yeah, I think he so. was at Hilarious. one of the parties, so he couldn't he yeah. couldn't discuss whether or not so Johnson funny. lied about the parties because he was at a party. So he yeah, presumably knew that he very, did very lie about the parties. Trust what Mog said was just bullshit, really. Yeah. Just generally, I think you can assume if Mog says something, it's bullshit. <laughs> Trust Boris Johnson to make like checks and balances, even like a. Th yeah. I mean, do you call that checks and balances? But I mean, like the, that, that's what like, that, that's yeah. scrutiny, isn't it? It's supposed to be. Trust Boris Johnson to make scrutiny. Uh, cool. <laughs> thing like. It's, oh my it, God. He's quite clever at it, though, how he does it. Though. I mean, like he, he's even, literally trying to make it. So he gets away with it because everyone just goes, "Oh, it's Boris Johnson." Like, "Oh, what do we expect?" It's Boris Johnson. It's just like this is how these menaces end up being presidents and prime ministers because for the rest for the whole lives they're just told like, "Oh, it's just him. Let him yeah, have this, this one." Actually, he writes for what? What was the was it the Telegraph that he used to write for? Spectator. It, oh, well, whenever he used to write these yeah. like crazy things, oh, it's just Boris. And then he becomes MP, he says something, it's just Boris. And now he's in a committee hearing after the fact that over 100,000 people died. And yeah. what now? What and can people say? Obviously. And now he's still going. He's still saying you guys are biased. If God loves the trier. Like, he just doesn't know when to quit. Like, just shut up. Um, like, and that, like, this is all, I think we're making fun of this because this man is ridiculous and doesn't deserve to be taken seriously anymore. And, but like, there is a very serious thing here that lots of people had, like, couldn't go to funerals of loved ones and lots of, like, thousands of people died um, from this and they were willingly breaking like the rules that they were setting up. And, you know, I think, as we kind of move away from COVID now, it, it feels very much like there's this area of kind of trauma that we haven't really delved into. No one's really talking about how that kind of massive change in love of our lives is going to affect us long term. And I think 
I don't know. It's just this. It's if we don't laugh, if we, we cry. exactly. Yeah, so it is actually disgusting. What they did. The public emotion on COVID it is the fact that he misled recklessly or on purpose the House of Parliament, the home of democracy in this country. It is above COVID. It is the heart of democracy. Did he or did he not? mislead the House of Commons. And ironically, the House of Commons gets to decide if he misled, yeah. which I think is just quite funny, because it's like, did you lie to us? Well, <laughs> they get to decide well, it's, themselves. It's more so they get to decide whether or not they want to uphold the findings of the committee, because like, yeah. this is this also, this ties into why Boris Johnson was deplatformed in the first place. Like, that's why he lost Prime Minister, because this Partygate nonsense from the beginning, like, if it wasn't going to get immediately shut down, it was going to, it came with the Sue Gray report, then the Met Police report, then the Sue Gray report, extended edition, like a deluxe Taylor Swift album. Fantastic. And now we're getting the sister, Evermore version of it, because now we have... <laughs> He's talking in Taylor Swift lingo. Dad is enjoying we this. We have the committee hearing. And then who knows what comes after this, but it's... Hopefully a resignation from Boris Johnson. And it then could death. be the end, no, or it could be the beginning of the next era. <laughs> Um, Comes to us all. Um, <laughs> I mean, what do you think his era's tour is like? Boris Johnson's era's yeah. tour. I think it starts with Mayor of London and hanging from a bungee. And then... <laughs> I forgot that. And, and then, then pushing over him, a child. And then, it, and then it ends with him being quite grumpy in a select committee hearing. And it's just <laughs> the downfall and Sisyphus returning to his plough and slowly fading away. No, he'll away never allow it. He'll, even if he gets... Sisyphus, you have to imagine him smiling. Oh, I, don't, I don't imagine him smiling. But, um, I feel like he'll still make some sort of return. I don't know. Even if he resigns, I feel like we're going to see him in the future. Unfortunately, I think you shit. are right. Well, I think even you are right. if he is, his power is... Yeah, like, I mean, just to talk about something that happened in the last few days with the Windsor Framework, which I'm sure yeah, yeah. we'll probably talk about next week. Two former prime ministers tried to rally their troops, Liz Truss and Boris Johnson. Yeah, Watch she's troops. still here. Watch troops. They only got 29 It was so Tory funny because there was like all this media buzz about how there's been massive rebellion against the Windsor Framework and it's two former teaming up to take down yeah. the current Prime Minister and it was like 27 people. Funny. And it was amazing. It's just, it's, it's a tragedy. <laughs> um, speaking of a tragedy, uh, this pod's going on too long. So we are going to play a game in a moment. See you in a minute. Lads and lasses, <laughs> folks and ladies folks. and gentlemen, the folks and folks. That yeah, I think every week, every week, I'm gonna come with a different. Fair maidens of the land. <laughs> fair maidens. What about and unfair? the unfair yeah, maidens. Unfair maidens. Particularly fair today. And you are, you are looking particularly fair. I'm feeling moment. unfair. <laughs> Welcome to this week's game called Fill in the Blank. <laughs> Never mind. We workshop that name. <laughs> I suggest the Fill in the Wank, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, on this a family show. <laughs> hi, Mum. Hi, Dad. <laughs> I wouldn't have said it with as much conviction, so thank you, Emily. Please please carry on. (laughs) So, rules of the game, or aim of the game. I'm going to say a (laughs) quote by a politician in the UK. Um, How does this work? Do we shout it out? It's just going to be like it is every week. You guys all just give me an answer. You don't have to shout. Thanks, Thanks, Emily. (laughs) And yeah, whoever gets the most points wins, I think. It would be me. How many rounds do we have? We have six. Seven, Seven rounds. Okay, so the tie break. Do six and then see if we need yeah. to do tie Yeah, okay. Amazing. So, is everyone ready? 
on your mark. So people made number that one. Oh, slow. Okay, right, ready. Okay. Neil Parrish. Do you guys know who that is? Yes, he's the one who got the court chatter. He was corn. He was corn. He was corn. He had corn in the house of commons. He had corn. Just had nominal sweet No, he was um he was the one who watched porn, the Bristol MP. He said. Oh. I was going to do a like, farmer accent, but it's not oh, I knew a little farmer accent like that. Oh, I was watching porn in the house of commons. He's from He has like a weaselly voice. He talks like this. <laughs> Funnily enough, this is the quote. Funnily enough, it was blank I was looking at. Tractors. Tractors. Fuck, you guys got it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking for, fun fact, he was looking for dominator tractors. And I think we all know what he found. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, you didn't give me an answer. What could it have <laughs> been? tractors. Yeah, correct. That was a warm-up round. Never mind. That was... Yeah, do I get the point there? I'm feeling weird. You all get, get a point. point. We all get a point. You all get that a point. It's not first come, first served. What is this? This isn't a competition. Communism. This isn't Taylor Swift tickets. You don't have a discount. You don't have a discount code. Okay, question number two. It's going to get more serious now. Oh, okay. Who? You, wait, well, I'm asking you who Oliver Dowden is. Uh, do you guys know who Oliver Dowden is? Yeah, yeah he, he was the culture chair. secretary. He's yeah. now the chair, isn't he? He, he said... was the culture secretary. So, after chair. being quizzed about the cost of living crisis, Ooh, the then conservative chairman revealed that he had never bought... This is the quote. Ooh. I have never purchased a blank in my life. Loaf of bread. Ooh, A. So, it's got to be a singular item. So, <laughs> I think it's loaf of bread because there's always that thing with politicians. It's like, I got your question. How much is a loaf of bread? Or, or is it a, like a pint of milk? That's the other thing. Oh, it could be a pint for. of milk, actually. I think it's, I think it's loaf of bread, but mm. never, it, it, he must have posted loaf of bread, but he got someone to buy it for him. He's like, go to yeah, Morrison's. He's got that on a cardo. Like. Oh, actually, yeah, he doesn't shop at Morrison's, so he definitely shops at Waitrose. Well, quizzed on the cost of living. Yeah, and then he basically said that he had never purchased a blank I'm in going his life. Loaf of bread. Beans. A beans? Yeah, he's fine. He's purchased it. But he's a conservative. He might not know how to pronounce beans. 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 I never specified if it was a one word answer. Oh. You said A. Yeah. A blank. A okay, I'm going A pint of milk. A can of beans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. he, I think Oliver Dowden drinks oat milk, which is why. A channel he, four. I don't know. Oliver Dowden is not one of us. Okay. I've got nothing to do and with it. And he's the answers, guys. Yeah, a I'd pint of milk. A loaf of bread. A beans. <laughs> Bailey, you're actually correct. No. Well, a tin of baked beans. Oh. Goodness um, gracious, Oliver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you were going to get that. He buys those little snap pots. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, they're convenient. He's never bought a they're tin so of. So expensive though. Oh my god! Shout out to the little twenty-seven p baked beans. As he they, kept me alive last year. Did you should. know that the um the the rank the best ranked baked beans in the UK is as does own brand. Really? I read about that. Wow. Yeah. Did you know baked beans aren't baked? Of <laughs> 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 apparently, where, Asda has the best taste. Where are made baked beans in the rankings today? <laughs> but they're not Asda baked. The they are steamed. Is that from inside the factory? That's from inside the factory. Yeah, Greg Wallace, if you're that, listening, I'm devastated. You're leaving. I don't know how you got that. I literally was just like, what do poor people eat? What do I eat? Beans. <laughs> Apparently it's because he never liked the taste. And he said that after the back. What a stretch. And he how, was the culture he- secretary. <laughs> <laughs> he the culture secretary of the United Kingdom and not like, and like baked it. beans. How are you? How are you? This how is are you a disgrace. How are you tasting beans without buying the beans? Yeah, he's know. just got mates that have beans. <laughs> Has a little he nibble. He's just like spoon fed one night. He's already full of beans. He doesn't need any more. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, right. Okay, question number three. Kiss Starmer. Who's that? 
when referring to or when attacking Boris Johnson, should I say, over the physically economy, with a whip um, during Prime Minister's questions, he quoted or he said, he's game playing so much he thinks he's on blank. Oh, it's, it's, it's like a shitty TV show, isn't it? The schmeekest schmink. The, sh- <laughs> <laughs> the weakest link. Um, um, I'm giving you 10 seconds, guys. Wait, 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 say, can you say uh, the quote again? It's got to be topical or something. He's I, game playing so much he thinks he's the on traitors. blank. Yeah, I was going to say the traitors. No, I think it'll be like, I'm a celebrity. No, because he wouldn't mention I'm a celebrity because yeah. Matt Hancock was on that. Dun, I, think dun, might, dun, I think that's dun, why, dun, I think dun, why I mentioned Okay, it. wait, I'll go like pointless. <laughs> okay. I'm a Just because I I'm think the traitors, but Bailey's taken that. I'm a celebrity. I can neither confirm, oh, I can confirm. You guys are wrong. <laughs> it's Love Island. Oh. Oh. And then he made like another quote about Starbuck. how like Boris Johnson's giving the country the ick. Man <laughs> I mean. He gave us the ick a long time Man ago. of the people. What a yeah, word exactly. He's watching Love Island. Davide. <laughs> Liar. Actress. Get, Get the, the fuck, fuck out. out. <laughs> uh, What's the points? I'm on two. One. I'm on one. They're on one. Yeah. I have double the amount. Bailey's winning. Bailey's doubling. Shout out, Bailey. Okay, number four. He doesn't need a shout out. He's here. Okay, never <laughs> mind. <laughs> Welsh Conservative leader Andrew Davies in 2016 said Brexit means blank. Brexit. Brexit. Breakfast. <laughs> Brexit breakfast. means breakfast. Brexit yeah. means breakfast. He said Brexit means breakfast. Is it one you said Brexit. You said Brexit. Adam breakfast. said breakfast. Adam is correct. I wasn't yes. going to let you guys change your answer to copy like, Adam. It's a, it's a very funny speech. It's like Brexit means breakfast. Uh, <laughs> you know that like funny. in 2016, there was a period of like a bunch of M people, M politicians. M people. Like <laughs> call it accidentally saying breakfast instead of Brexit yes, on national exactly. TV. Also, it's so yeah. funny. There's compilations on YouTube. <laughs> I of think them, it's like. quite funny because also like Brexit has ruined breakfast because there's no eggs for you egg eaters <laughs> no, out like, there. Actually, Genuinely. To, and tomatoes. Yes. Back to honey nut. I've had to I've had to steal my housemates eggs. <laughs> Bloody a shout out to you. Means the not end of I'm not a fan of eggs anyway, so I'm indifferent yeah, on, no, on the same. issue. You're not, yeah, you're you're not a fan of eggs. Because oh, I'm just I'm a man He's of the people. He's a man of the yeah. He's empathetic to our eggless woes. Exactly. I'm I, egg pathetic. Um, I have a French housemate, and I was going to take some of her eggs, but um, there was only one in the carton, and I thought, oh no, one egg is not enough. That's one egg. <laughs> What? It's a French joke. Oh, I never got yeah, that. Like, it's not a nine. An oof. oof. An oof is an egg. You know why I laughed? An oof. Because the atmosphere after Emily said that, we just were all just like, <laughs> I was wow. pulling out to that joke. Yeah, I knew it was a joke. I saw it. It was like a glint in your Are eyes. Now it's a joke. No, keep, keep this it is in. staying in. Question. <laughs> if, you, if you think we should have cut it, at Bailey. Question five. In 2016, Theresa May as Prime Minister was talking about Brexit. We didn't know much about Brexit. So when she addressed the nation, she said, I gave the blank. I gave. I gave the blank. I gave. Try to give you a bit of context. I gave gave the. So she was. Okay, let me give you a bit more context. When is this? She was 2016. So she's like being grilled about what Brexit is and blah, blah, blah. And she addresses everyone. She's like, well, guys, I gave the blanks. I think it's going to be I gave gave. the the choice decision the vote I gave yeah. like to do with the fact that she was a Remainer so she voted Remain I think that's that what's the answer what's the I, word I don't know the word I'm gonna say best because I feel like it's I'm like gonna go with fucks <laughs> I said I gave the fucks I gave you know you know Theresa May famously a potty mouth <laughs> yeah 
What's your answer, Bailey? Um, I gave, that is not an answer. Change it. I gave the <laughs> vote. I gave or something along those lines. I gave the I vote. Can I gave. Confirm that you guys are all wrong. Yeah. She said I gave the answers. I gave. Oh, oh that's technically. And what then I she said, said. Oh, shut up. And then she <laughs> no said. Way. Negotiations. But Boris Johnson changing the rules. Negotiations are negotiations, and you'll see what we publish when we publish it. And I gave the answers I gave. Wow, that's a bit weak. Bunch of riddles. I expect more from Teresa. Yeah. Twizzle, how could you? Anyways, that was a bit of a. So you're still on two, right? And we're both on one. Yeah, Yeah. winning. If we collude. We are no. equal. <laughs> no, no as umpire, I demand as Emily equal Bailey. Yeah. As quiz master, I'm not allowing the A and E to take. She's getting too big for her boots. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> you. She's uh, getting a demotion. <laughs> <laughs> Scrutiny in workforce. We're going to have a performance review <laughs> after this session. I know, let's start one. Case. You don't work here, bitch. You get captive. <laughs> You're not an employee. <laughs> Question number six, the penultimate round. Dominic Robb said in June of, I don't know what the year is anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm not going to give you context because you'll get this, but he says, I take the knee for two people. The queen and blank. My wife. God. I think it's gonna be God as well, yeah. Wise wife, Emily. Would you like to know <laughs> that? Why is he on his knees? Uh, oh. To propose. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. Oh, actually. Oh, actually, yeah, that's a pretty good point. I'm, st- I'm sticking with God, me and Big I'm G. gonna go for God as well, actually. I, think. I, I was gonna go for God before Bailey said it, for the record. Emily, you are correct. Yeah! Yeah! Well, to, to quote him, he actually said, I take the knee for two people, the queen and the missus, when I asked her to marry me. <sighs> Calling your wife the missus is a massive red flag. I just it don't makes know, me like, sick. My wife, the missus. The fact that he is not, like, talking about worshipping God makes me think he's not fit to be in the cabinet. <laughs> I well, agree. Do you know why he actually said that? It's a bit... Weird. Deep. Oh. It's a bit oh, dark. It's with, um, I'm not ready. Yeah, yeah it was It was during Black Lives oh, Black yeah, yeah, yeah. movement where he basically refused to take the knee and he was like, well, oh, I what? only kneeled to two people in this world. What a world. charming man, eh? So, okay. you know, shout out to him. He definitely kneels to do his laces up in front of a bunch of different <laughs> people. So, like, come on, Dominic. You're kneeling all the time, mate. What are the scores on the doors? Uh, we don't have any oh, doors, but the scores are so I'm on two. I'm on two. Okay, so, so this is this is just Adam. You're basically out. It's be- between Emily and Bailey. Well, I mean, Adam, you could get this right, and they could get it wrong. So Adam who knows? Be <clears throat> Christopher Clarkson, Tory MP for Haywood, got an apology for from Labour's deputy. Sorry, can I say that again? Because I don't go, know yeah, why. Okay, the pen- the ultimate round. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> round number seven, the last round. Christopher Clarkson, Tory MP for Hayward, got an apology from Labour's deputy leader, Angela Rayner, after she called him something. And his quote was, excuse me, did the honorable lady just call me blank? Tory scum. A wet wipe. Mm. I don't know. Who is this again? Christopher Clarkson was called something. It's going to be some silly insult, like, like oh, a, a fool. Scum. Yeah, like a fool or a something. A scoundrel. Like an idiot or something. I'm going to go for fool, I think. Oh, what are you going to go for, your Bailey? One? I'll go. I think it's Tori Scum because she had that whole scandal, like along with like buying AirPods. Okay. I'm going like. Um, fool, if, if, if. No, if, no, I'll go scoundrel. 
Okay. Well, I can confirm. Well, I'll do it in third, second, and first place. In huh. third place is Adam Wright. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Adam wrong, more like. Excellent. Um, in, should I do the third place? No, okay, we, okay no, fine. fine. In second place, drum roll, please. It's Emily! Yeah. You got it wrong, which means Bailey's first place because Christopher Clarkson was called Scum uh, uh, by Angela Rayner. the only reason you scum. get all this oh, right is because we, we give you like readings to do in the cage and so that's why you know everything. <laughs> you just keep BBC News on and I'm just like staring. <laughs> I just want to say actually, like, oh. I don't do politics as a degree. Show off. There's some real Ontologically. My father, my sister, and my friends. Mm. Um, You're being played out by Music Renata. Madonna. <laughs> Baftas have been played Madonna. out, played out, played out, played out. Um, and, and me for giving you questions. That you and now that we've know. turned Betty's mic off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you silent or were you silenced? <laughs> he's being put back in his cage now. If you hear a kerfuffle in the background, it's because he's being put back in his Good cage. Use of wait, wait, kerfuffle. wait. Thank you. Tune in for next week's game yes. where I have one way better than this. Oh, we're, we're going to, so next week is the big finale of this season. Uh, I guess the we're going to call it a season. We've been doing, this it's is like that, Game of Thrones. Exactly. Everyone's waiting for it. It's we're a big deal. Die. It's a big me. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Not me. No, we need you because we need someone to edit the pod. Yes. This is one of us three. It's good to have my uses. Yeah. Thank you for listening today. Uh, thank you to Samir. Thank you, Adam and Emily and Bailey. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> Oh, you are most welcome. Thank you, Adam, for... I don't know what... Wow, thanks. And thank you, Bailey. <laughs> thanks for having me. That's okay. Me the cage. That's okay. Welcome, Just welcome out of the cage. Just there. And she's so humble. She keeps me. <laughs> humble she is. Okay, Just bye. Men. See you later. Bye. We're just innocent men. <laughs> I can't say bye with you talking. Bye. 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 Hello, thank you for listening to today's episode of A&E Politics. Uh, A&E Politics is produced by me, Adam Wright, uh, and today's show was hosted by me, Emily Gray, um, and with guests, Samaya Ali and Bailey. Um, A&E Politics is a University Radio Bath production.